Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. I should say that I already said all of that and then noticed that I wasn't recording. So, is it weird to sit in a room and talk to yourself without a recording versus with? They're both kind of weird. Uh, another thing I should say at the top of this show is that I just ate a uh, 12-inch foot-long meatball sub from Subway Sub uh, and drank an entire bottle of uh, Mountain Dew. So, I will probably have a good burp for you, if that is the sort of humor you care for, you weirdo, you low-brow, low-browed person. Uh, look, just uh, since we're on the subject of that, and because uh, I'll give you another little behind-the-scenes action, it is uh, Thursday, June 30th. Is that right? Anyways, tomorrow is Canada Day, so we have it off here in Canada, where I am, uh, which means it's a long weekend, which means that uh, unlike a lot of these recordings, I'm not under a huge time constraint. I just got home from work, had a nice leisurely uh, Subway sub. Well, not so much leisurely, because I was hungry, so I ate it pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, this episode already longer than normal. This this beginning part, before we even start the episode, way longer than normal. But hey, why not? Speaking of why not, the other thing I was going to say, uh, nice segue, sure, is uh this is this is my subway order that I always get. <clears throat> Why did I clear my throat for that? Very important. Oh boy. Uh I get a 12-inch uh, meatball sub on uh Italian uh, herb and cheese or or cheese whatever one has cheese on it. The cheesy one. The cheesiest of the cheesy ones. Or white if they don't have it, I suppose. Um then I get on said toasted sub uh, black olives green olives onions and black pepper do you want sauce with that no that's all i want on it just those things i call it the maywood special because it's kind of weird and through experimentation i have found that it is the most delicious of subs combined with the fact that it's the most filling because those meatballs ain't small Combined with the fact that for a, uh, a, a six, uh, sorry, a twelve-inch sub with all that meat on it and all that fillingness, is one of, if not the cheapest sub that they have. It's a good bang for your buck. Like I spent ten dollars when I got a, the sub. I got a, a drink bottled and uh, two cookies for. $10 and a little bit of change, which is pretty, pretty, pretty good, as I believe um, Larry David would say. 
Okay, so this is the longest uh, pre-show opening I've ever had, and there has been zero purpose to it whatsoever. Congratulations. Congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Bear Toupees. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, we've got 10 Cloverfield Lane, which you are no doubt expecting if you listened to last episode in which I spoke of, you guessed it, Cloverfield. So now I have closed the circle of this series. Uh, This movie much better, I would say, than the first one. I don't think you necessarily at all have to have seen the first one. Uh, the, um, <clears throat> there might be some subtle things, uh, some cool things that you sort of know are happening that may make it slightly more enjoyable, but by no means necessary. Uh, I'm fairly certain that was a burp, yes, okay, get over it. Uh, I'm fairly certain that uh, this has come up on the podcast before, and that is the fact of John Goodman. The fact, this is not even an opinion, is the fact that if he is in a movie, it is therefore a good movie. Just period, full stop. Uh, Normally he has smaller roles, I would say. King Ralph might be the exception. (laughs) This is probably uh, the most dialogue he's had in a movie that I can think of uh, in memory. <clears throat> but uh, he's just incredible, incredible in it. Creepy. You kind of don't know is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I'm not gonna give it away. Um, but there is no denying his creep factor. That's for sure. Uh, rating wise, I think I'll go solid four out of five. Yeah, maybe even some uh, cool five out of five moments. Uh, who was the girl in it? I got the IMDb open. <clears throat> Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, I liked her, and I think I've seen her in things before. If you're unfamiliar, uh, why don't I read the image? Uh, after getting in a car accident, a woman is held in a shelter with two men who claim the outside world is affected by a, wi- by a widespread chemical attack. Oh, is that the case? Is it something else? Cloverfield's original movie viewer, Wink. Okay, so uh, let's move on, because I know I have way too much to talk about, including True Romance. Oh! <clears throat> this, I think, falls into the category, and I think I had one last week as well, of movies I heard people talking about on a podcast that sounded like they would be good. Uh, this came out in 93. I wonder why this was never really on my radar. I think, you know what, uh, probably definitely 1993 in particular, that time in my life, the fact that romance was in the title would have made me go, Ugh, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, now that I'm 35 years old, I've broadened my horizons to include all sorts of things. Plus the fact of hearing people on a podcast that I respect say it is good uh, opened my eyes to this movie that is not a romantic comedy really at all. There is a underlying romance between Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. But uh, it's kind of a gangster movie, almost a heist movie feel a little bit. 
Um, yeah, it's good. I very much like it. And I think it will hold up. Like, I think it does hold up for the most part. There is some, uh, some obvious 90s stuff in it, but, uh, you also have, uh, let me just run down some of the cast in this, because it's pretty incredible. Uh, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, like, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Rappaport, like, a great, James Gandolfini, Jesus. Like, have you ever heard of such an illustrious cast of characters in a movie? No! Well, maybe you have, but still. Uh, Rating-wise, I think I'll give this also a solid 4 out of 5. So we've got two 4s out of 5s. That's like an 8 out of 10 so far. Okay, this next one I'm a little upset about because the missus made me watch The Grudge. Uh, I'm sure it probably in this 300 and... 60, 70, however many episodes of this podcast I've recorded, uh, the fact of the grudge has come up before that uh, it gave me nightmares and uh, I never really wanted to watch it again because it was too scary. So the missus made me watch it. Uh, I did not have nightmares, so yay. Uh, It's still pretty scary and despite being a red-blooded Canadian male, I will admit that from time to time I had to turn my head away, specifically the looking in the attic scene. That's that's the one that I think really got me that the first viewing. Uh, at least this time I knew it was going to happen and could look away. Puss. E. Okay, uh, see, look, I paused the timer. Just as sort of evidence of the abundance of time I have. Oh boy. Here comes the sub. Top Secret is our next movie. Oh, Val Kilmer as well. Ow. Ugh. Burps. Someone knocking at my door. Who could that be? Ah, uh, you know what? Uh, someone did knock at the door just a second ago. Maybe you heard it in the background. I don't typically answer the door unless I'm expecting them. If they knock again, I'll get it. Uh, in a podcast first, a door knock. An unanswered. Can they hear me? Talking? Maybe. Uh, anyways, Top Secret, 1984, starring Val Kilmer, who also was in a movie... Uh, the, the movie I just spoke of. What was he in that? Oh yeah, he was like a stoner guy. Uh, this movie, uh, let me read the IMDA, a parody of World War II spy movies in which an American rock and roll singer becomes involved in a resistance plot to rescue a scientist imprisoned in East Germany. Uh, I forget where I... (laughs) I think this might be another heard of on a podcast flick. Um, And I think the way it was sort of phrased was that it was similar or shared similarities with the Naked Gun movies, which uh, I could see the Naked Gun, Airplane, that sort of flick. Uh, I, I could see the similarities for sure. It is that type of movie where it's joke after joke after joke. Not too much in the way of plot or character stuff, which is, you know, in the case of Airplane and Naked Gun movies, some of my favorite movies ever. Uh, This one, maybe the jokes weren't as strong, which made the overall movie not as strong, I would say. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll just go like a three. I kind of think it doesn't hold up as well. Uh, I'm 
debating Naked Gun or Airplane or Hot Shots maybe making that one of my next uh, movies to watch uh, one after the other uh, one a week sort of thing so I'll tell you what you listening to this can let me saying this know oh boy uh, which of those if any you would like me to watch and bring back to the podcast hey audience participation is what I call that Okay, uh, the final movie, uh, another classic 80s flick, is The Great Outdoors. Uh, we had a guest over, the Mrs. and I, and uh, saw this one. Uh, was it on Netflix? Yeah, must have been on Netflix. Uh, we had searched around for something to watch for longer than I like, so eventually I just said, hey, let's just watch this. Pick something. That's a little tip, little life hack, let's call this. Uh, and this is something I like to do, particularly with the misses, is have a list of movies for people to choose from. Uh, because if you just go through Netflix searching for something, it's not going to work. It's not fun. It's not funny. It takes too long. You're wasting valuable time. Make a list. Check it twice. Great outdoors. <sighs> Rating. Hmm. If you haven't seen this, you ha- you have to. This is a movie you have to see. Uh, rating-wise, though, is sort of prickly because I don't know if it holds up as good as I thought it would. Maybe my expectations for this rewatch, this is probably the third or fourth or maybe even more Earth time that I've seen it. I don't know. I think I gotta go... Uh, if you're watching it on a Sunday, lazing in bed on a rainy day probably go four to five but uh, uh looking back on it in my brain right the second i'm just gonna go three out of five which may upset people oh controversial rating Today's television talk sponsor is Auto Untune. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, today we have a real doozy, a blast from the past, you might say. Uh, specifically 2004. Oh man, this has a very 90s feel to it. I'm surprised it's 2004. Uh, it is a show that I would hesitate to guess that anyone listening to this probably hasn't heard of. Uh, if I'm wrong in that fact, Email me to the address in the closing credits. Uh, let me know what you think of this friggin' crazy show. Uh, it is called the WB's Warner Brothers. David TV station. The Warner Brothers, the WB's Superstar USA. Quite often, the title is just shortened to Superstar USA. How to describe this show? Um, I've known about this. I watched this when it was on TV way back in the day. Uh, it was always a show that I was sort of keeping my eye, eyes peeled to see if I could find, and it has been impossible to find uh, in DVDs and downloads and streams anywhere. I could never find it, but every once or twice a year, I would do a search for it to try to find it. That's how much I wanted to revisit this show. Uh, part and parcel, 
part of that reason, the parcel of the part, is that uh, looking back on it and remembering how crazy it is, but more of the reason I wanted to find it was because I knew it would be the show that the missus would love. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's suiting her personality to a, a T. E. Uh, what it is, is a... How would you even describe it? Uh, it's an American Idol style show. So people come on, they sing, um, and the competition is based on how well they sing. Yeah, that's what it is when you boil it down. Exactly like American Idol. The twist. And boy, howdy, what a twist. The, <laughs> the show judges are looking for those who are, in fact the worst singers in the United States of America, which, if you don't know, is what USA stands for. Superstar USA. So uh, the judges are uh, Tone Loke, which is a story right there because both the Bisses and I, and probably a lot of people out there, thought it was Tone Low because he doesn't really hit the C very hard. No one really hits the C very hard. He's got a very low voice, too, which maybe you think, oh, they call him Tone Low because the tone of his voice is low, so why don't we call him Tone Low? Very confusing. Uh, we've got Vitamin C, who is hard to <laughs> hard to explain if you weren't al uh, alive during these times. She was a singer. Um, sort of a cleaner version, perhaps, of like your Britney's or your Christina's. Uh, she had a, a, a hit. What was the hit? I'm looking at her Wikipedia page right now. Uh, rock band, Smile. It's her Smile. It was called Smile. If you heard it, if you heard, if you go on uh, YouTube and uh, uh, type in Vitamin C Singer, you'll know the song if you were alive during the... Oh, she's 43. Oh, that makes me feel old. <laughs> oh jeez, she's looking good on this show though. I'll, I'll tell you that much, um, and very very funny on it as well. And lastly, we have a guy by the name of Brian McF or Christopher Briggs. Yeah, Christopher Briggs, who is sort of one of the producers of the show, pretending to be the sort of Simon Cowell mean guy of the judges. Uh, the contestants on the show range from horrible to, oh my god, how does this person think that this voice sounds anything like a human voice should while singing? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at some of the some of the contestants. One is Jamie Foss. She is smokingly beautiful, hot-bodied. Uh, so I could see why she went as far as she did. I'm not going to give away, just in case you ever watch this, who won. Uh, we've got a Mario. He has a face... Probably the the 70s and 80s definition of a nerd. He's got the glasses, the, the body of a skeleton, uh, big ears... Thinks he has dance moves that are, in fact, look more like uh, seizures. Uh, <laughs> Rosa, she was good because she was from Mexico and her English wasn't so good. Uh, which leads me to uh, Jojo. Okay, yeah, the, the obviously gay sort of bear type guy. Uh, okay, so we've got all this together. And one of my main sort of takeaways of the show despite being incredible, is the fact that there's no way in hell that this show would air uh, in today's climate of politically correctness. 
or not hurting people's feelings because, man, these people got to feel bad. It's particularly the winner on the last episode, they sort of... Uh, the blow came that they weren't looking for the best singer, they were looking for the worst singer and even through the magic of editing, the look on the person's face when they said this was painful, painful to watch. A lot of uh, if you like to cringe, if you like your, your, your The Office Michael Scott cringy moments, there's a lot in this. You're going to cringe watching these people uh, up to and including the point where you start to feel bad for them. Uh, that being said, the winner got, uh, you know, $100,000 and I guess got to be on TV and blah, 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 bling, bling, bling. Uh, really, this is a show that everyone should experience and just be blown away. One sort of thing, and I don't know how much believability I put in this, is that uh, in the last two episodes or so, they were singing in front of a live studio audience. Uh, apparently, and this is the story anyways, they told the live studio audience that the competitors suffered from uh, sort of, uh, was it, I don't think it was mental illness, or were dying, yes. They told them that they were dying or suffered from mental illness or, or something like that in order to get sympathy for a crowd to cheer at people who were quite obviously horrible, horrible singers. Hilariously horrible singers, but horrible singers. A must-see, 5 out of 5, some goddamn 6 out of 5 moments on the show, for sure. Conan, the librarian. <laughs> Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Today's book banter sponsor is Barbarian Yoga and Meditation Spa. Today's book is Conan the... S oh shit, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Uh, I've read it a shit ton of times in the last uh, week or so, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Sumerian? Oh, Sumerian. Yeah, but Sumerian with a C. Sumerian. Yeah, we'll go with Sumerian. The Complete Tales by Robert E. Howard. Uh, I just realized as my uh, book banter little music intro thing was playing that it mentions Conan the Librarian. And here we are talking about Conan the Barbarian. What the frick? I didn't put that together until literally the second. Uh, okay, so what I decided to do is dust off some of these goodies. Uh, when did these come out? Uh, I've got the Goodreads page open uh first published 2006 okay but that being said i think what this is is and maybe i should have researched this uh these are uh short stories about conan conan the sumerian uh aka conan the barbarian uh, as most people would know him from uh, the arnold schwarzenegger movies uh, little known fact, those movies based on books um, by Mr. Robert E. Howard, who I do believe is the creator of this character. Uh, so I think this is a collection of those short stories, which kind of makes sense just because I don't think these all were written in 2006. And let me explain. Uh, these are probably, yeah, yeah, no competition, no competition. The most misogynistic things I've ever read in my entire life. 
they treat women in these short stories like not human beings, definitely no, no far from that, like uh, just eye candy, whimpering, cowering, must be saved. Uh, I, I, on some degrees, I would consider myself a feminist, but <laughs> this is just like, it's like un unlike anything I've ever read to that degree that I'm mentioning it on a book banter. If you've, if you've ever listened to me talk of books on this podcast, I don't think I've ever said anything remotely like this before. Uh, now, all of that being said, <laughs> how can I go from all of that being said to anything else? Uh, <laughs> it, there's moments in the books that don't involve women, uh, <laughs> which, like, that's another, I, I suppose, form of... Um, misogyny, the fact that the, the moments that aren't involving women are the, the least misogynistic parts of it. Uh, when I could sort of look past that and see, I was assuming this was these were all written back in the in the 50s or, or something, but I see they're published in 2006. Uh, it's gotta be. Oh man, now I have to know. Ah, whatever. Uh, what was I saying? Yes, yeah, so uh, if you can get by the fact that women in these uh, novels are not real human beings, um, then there's some merit to them in terms of just fantasy and uh, a badass dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a way to look at it, I suppose. There's movies like, uh, well, <laughs> Conan, for example... Uh, there's the He-Man movie, there's there's movies, uh, sword and sandal kind of flicks, that it's just badass dudes fighting, uh, using their brawn and not their brain. Although he does actually uh, exhibit some smarts from time to time. And you know what, all of that being said, again, which I feel like is something I'm saying a lot during this talk, uh, uh, Conan himself usually but not always will treat women better uh, than the people who exist in this world so uh, women will be sort of treated as slaves and tossed around uh, he will come in and prevent that from happening now that being said uh, there are I think short stories in this that he's sort of uh, using his uh, uh, manliness to win over women in ways that are probably not uh, probably would not be uh, lauded upon today this is a way of pussyfooting around some of the things that he does ah man he, this is a hard thing to talk about because despite being Conan badass uh, cool things happening to him that he uh, nothing stands in his way of him getting his goal uh, there is that underlying women are not human beings in this sort of world that uh, makes me say, oh, couldn't, couldn't you have both? Couldn't you have both? Oh, 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 that reminded me. Uh, something I uh, sort of question here. Isn't uh, Red Sonya in the same universe as Conan? Don't they sort of coexist together, I thought? Uh, so uh, maybe she just didn't exist. Maybe these are the very first uh, tales of Conan. Because the thing about Conan... And since I did, I will admit, enjoy some of this, uh, I may bring other ones back, maybe ones that actually have uh, women as things other than 
whimpering save me bags. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, maybe if we get some uh, later Conan works, uh, maybe if we find one written by a woman, uh, we'll, we'll have a little less of that and a little more uh, cool badassery. Uh, the other, uh, not necessarily, yeah, yeah, probably slight negative thing about these books, at least for me, and this may be more of a personal thing, uh, is that because I experienced the movies, Conan, because I cannot help hearing the word Conan and picturing Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, is I was picturing him as reading, but uh, then they describe him in the books, and he's not really exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger-like, per se, uh, the description. Dark hair, long dark hair, for one. Uh, maybe that's my main sort of thing. Anyways, rating-wise, oh, jeez. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> fuck. This is a hard one, to tar- hard one to review because of the misogyny. Okay, if you don't like misogyny, give it a really bad mark. <laughs> fuck. Like... For misogyny sake, zero out of five. For badassery sake, like four to five. I, I I did like some of the moments of him fighting giant snakes and shit, man. Okay, I'm just a man. I'm just a man in this world, trying to not be a dick, trying to realize that books like this are not good for women, but sometimes. Sometimes a little badassery is just what the witch doctor ordered. I don't know what I'm saying, so I'm going to push this button. Today's game Gabin sponsor is the Rowdy Ring and Bubblegum Ass Kicking. The oh, I see. Apologies, apologies, sponsor. Please do not pull your sponsorship. Uh, the Rowdy Ring of Bubblegum and Ass Kicking. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, so uh, I have kind of a cool little thing here, uh, and that is I have. <laughs> This is actually interesting now that I think about it. I've sort of not so much played games as set myself up to be able to play games in the future. Let me explain. Or perhaps you've read the description and you'll know what I'm going to say. Meh. Um, I mentioned uh, my playing Fallout 4 with mods uh, and sort of my experience with that. Um, realizing that this whole mod thing very very heavily came about I do believe through Skyrim uh, Skyrim in particular but also uh, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas I, I think Bethesda the sort of community around Bethesda has had a huge hand in the proliferation of the modding community so uh, because I have and have loved Fallout 3, New Vegas, and Skyrim, what I did was spent like a friggin' weekend almost um, going on uh, the Nexus, Nexus mods, uh, and downloading a shit ton of mods. 
Uh, and then it's sort of a balancing act. Uh, it's not a because it's not done through the Bethesda. It's done through you know you and me. Well, not me because I don't have the skills to create a mod, but because it's done by the public. Uh, it's not 100% foolproof, and there is some technical knowledge needed to have things run 100% smoothly 100% of the time. Some of that knowledge I do not actually possess, but for the most part I was able to get things where I want them. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Less success with Skyrim uh, than I would like. I, I, I still have some ideas that I could rejigger some things, but uh, basically... <laughs> Uh, and I did it with Fallout 3, and it seemed to work, so I, I thought I would do New Vegas and then Skyrim last. Uh, what I did was download a shit ton of mods, uh, things that looked interesting, um, things that I would like playing through a game with having, uh, and then turn them all on. <laughs> now, if you are a modder or someone who uses mod, you will know that that is foolish. Because the more mods you have on the more likely your game is not going to work. You're basically messing with things behind the scenes of your video game uh, in order to have a different playthrough, in order to have a modified uh, playthrough. So the more modifications you make, the more likely things can go wrong. Sort of simple math there. Uh, then what I would do is sort of one by one or a couple at a time would turn mods off until I could find which ones were maybe reacting to one another, which one would not work, just period, uh, and sort of fiddle around. It was a very fiddly process. There's probably people smarter than I who could figure out exactly what was going wrong, um, but I, am, I was not able to do that other than by trial and error. Uh, the, the, the messing with computer part of me, that I enjoy doing that sort of thing, didn't mind it necessarily. Uh, when I got to Skyrim, I was a little bit starting to say, okay, come on, let's just try to get this to work. It's because it was getting to be late in the weekend, and I wanted to be sort of done with it at that point. But overall, uh, I now have Fallout 3, New Vegas, and Skyrim sort of set up so that uh, when I next play them, not so much Skyrim, when I next play them, I'll have uh, sort of cool experiences. So, for example, Fallout 3... Uh, I've got this cool uh, naked companion. Uh, I've, uh, I've made my character this uh, naked girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm 35 years old. Yes, I am a child. Uh, so I'm going to have this sort of playthrough. Just me, this hot chick, uh, with a companion who is also a hot chick running around killing shit with our fucking crazy weapons and shit, uh, coming back to our underground hideout, um, uh, shelves to display all the, all the things we collected in the wastelands, uh, really sort of, uh, just thinking about it got me a little excited to hop back in. Uh, so I did that with Fallout and, uh, New Vegas. I, I've got my companions, I've got some, some cool gear, uh, I've uh, got our my house sort of set up to be lived in. Uh, just sort of uh, didn't do any missions, didn't do anything. Just got it sort of set up to play next time I feel the itch to play these games, which happens every once in a while. The itch is growing because of the mods installed, which is kind of a cool little effect. So, uh, pushing button again.
Today's internet, internet, <laughs> fuck, internet intercourse sponsor is Animal Elocution Academy. Thank you for that. Okay, uh, so let's start off with saying that I have finally, finally got caught up with Harmontown. Yes, episode 200 and blah, 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 blah. Uh, So it was a long road. It was a fun road. Uh, bittersweet to be at its end. End is should be, I suppose, in quotes or brackets or something, for the reason that Harmontown the podcast is what I'm talking about. Harmontown the podcast is not actually over. It's just I am now caught up. I started at episode number one, recorded whatever year it was, 2013, and have listened to every single episode up until 200 and blah, 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 whatever we're at now. Um probably you know what i'm very curious about this fact uh i'm i know i'm not the first person to do so uh they've even had people on the podcast on harman town come up on stage and say uh yeah i started listening to your episode and then after two months uh, i caught all the way up so people probably do it faster than i did but let me explain what happened to me uh the first jeez. 100 to 150, somewhere in there. The 100th episode, 150th episode, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, I realized that there was approaching a time where I would no longer be able to go to my podcast feed and listen to as many Harmontown podcasts as I wanted, just at the push of a button. Uh, eventually, I would come to be caught up, and then I would be relegated to only having one episode a week, which is where I am now. So, with that realization in place, I found myself slowing down. I find myself, when I'm having a bad day, deciding, alright, this is a good day for a Hermitown episode, why don't I listen to a couple today? And then maybe I wouldn't listen to any for a week, and then five in one day. That sort of thing. Uh, so uh, I'm just sort of curious, does anyone have that experience with podcasts? Because that's not the first time I've done that. I think I did it with Nerd Poker. Um, There's definitely other podcasts where I've had that sort of same effect. Oh man, I better better cherish these. You know what? I do it with uh, uh, Terry Pratchett Discworld novels. Uh, I haven't read one in like over a year probably, just because I know very sadly that there will not be any more. So uh, I've got like there's maybe 10 now no, less than 10 actually even that I haven't read yet that I'm sort of saving for a rainy day uh, just on that note uh, I think my next book it's kind of funny that came up my next book I'm going to read I actually planned on reading a Terry Pratchett I think Thud will be that anyways nothing to do with internet intercourse uh, what it does have to do with is that our next sort of handful of internet intercourse talk is the fact that because of this sort of uh, void now in my life, uh, I knew that I would have to add a new podcast to my listening repertoire. Uh, yeah, so basically I like to have a podcast on the go that I can have that feeling with. Um like I have ones that I listen to each and every week, of course, 
But then there's always one to fill the times while waiting for new episodes of the ones I wanted to go. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, so what I'm going to talk about here is some of the ones that I have added or experimented with and listened to a bunch and decided not to add. Ah. Okay, uh, the first one is the Todd Berry podcast. I love Todd Berry. One of the funniest comedians out there. Uh, very, very quick-witted um, my favorite thing about him is sort of a strange thing, and that is his his voice. I don't mean his sort of comedic voice, the way in which he uh, uh, delivers his comedy, that, that sort of voice. I mean literally the sound of his actual human voice is comedic to me. So he could read the... Uh, I think this is uh, funny. I think I've said this before, this exact thing. I think Todd Berry could read the phone book and I would find it amusing just because of the sound of his voice. So, uh, learning that he had a podcast, I thought, hey, this is going to be freaking awesome. I listened to... Let me run down the episodes I listened to. Uh, Jim Gaffigan... Uh, Andy Kindler, Scott Ackerman, Judah Freelander, Nikki Glazer, Mike Burbig, Mike Burbiglia, Eddie Pepitone, Blaine Capatch, Moshi Kasher, Todd Glass, Aziz Ansari, Ron Funches. Um, yeah, okay, so that's where I stopped. And I feel bad for this, for even saying this. Uh, I don't say bad things on the podcast, and this, there's no way he's going to hear this ever. Uh, I didn't go on after Ron Funches. And to be 100% Amish with you, not because of Ron Funches, just because the podcasts, uh, they were all sort of the same. Nothing really interesting seemed to happen or come up or evolve. They were all just kind of... Uh, I, I didn't have great amount of laughter. Like, uh, I was thinking today, I was driving home listening to uh, Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo. Um, which I listen to every single week, and every single episode generates laughter in me. This one that I'm listening to right now, very much so. Um, but but none of these podcasts really did it for me for some reason, which was sort of shocking to me almost uh, because of my love of Todd Berry, my love of all those people I just mentioned. Um, each and every one of them have made me laugh on more than one occasion. So it's it's shocking that I am not going to continue listening to the Top Berry Podcast. I feel very bad for saying that. Credibly nice-seeming guy as well. So points for that. But sadness, I will not continue on. Mm. Speaking of quitting, wow, this is actually a good segue. Probably... The only good segue of this episode, the last ten episodes, probably the only good segue. So that's impressive. I ruined it by talking over it. Uh, the Artie Quitter podcast. Oh boy. Uh, so this is Artie Lang also has a podcast. This is kind of interesting uh, because it's brand new. I think he's only done like the feed only had I think four episodes. Uh, it sounds almost like. And I'm not 100% sure. I'm a little shaky on the details. Sounds like he's got a, uh, what is it called? Serious radio show. Sirius. Sirius. Uh, anyways, that's uh, satellite radio. He does a show every day. And they take parts from that show and turn it into a podcast once a week. Which is a genius idea. That way you're sort of hitting two audiences at once with the same content. Very, very smart. Uh, because of my love of Artie Lang, I decided to check it out. Man, he is fucking filthy. Filthy, I love it. Uh, yeah, uh, 
the episodes I listen to are with uh, Jackie Joke Man Martling uh, from the Howard Stern Show. Is, I guess he's not still on that. Uh, Dave Attell and Gilbert Gottfried. Man, those two together. I think that was my favorite episode. Gilbert Gottfried, always love him on podcast. Uh, it's just so fucking filthy. It's incredible. Uh, not filthy for the sake of filthiness, but comedically funny with filt, filt, <laughs> with a filth cherry on top. Uh, highly, highly recommend it so far, and I am going to continue on with it, uh, assuming he does more. I didn't see one this week, actually. Maybe tomorrow. Uh, okay, uh, next we have Hello from the Magic Tavern. This sort of surprised me. Uh, never heard of it. Uh, I think the way I found it was went to Nerd Poker, uh, the podcast, uh, and then searched for similar podcasts. Maybe that's how I found it. I can't remember exactly. Um, but sort of pleasantly surprised. Of the mix of new podcasts I have experienced in the last week or two, uh, this one has been my favorite. Just amazing. Uh, I think I'll have to read some of the wiki just for you to get an idea of what it is, because it's not... This ain't your granddaddy's... Um, well, maybe it is. What does that even mean? You don't even know what I was going to say. I was going to say it's not your granddaddy's podcast, in a weird voice, but I decided against it. <sighs> Hello from the Magic Tavern is an improvised comedy podcast hosted and produced by Arnie Niekamp. Camp. <laughs> Uh, that's an inside joke that I didn't even mean to do. Uh, that debuted in March 2015, so relatively new. Uh, the podcast is set in the fictional world of Foon, a magical realm in which Kneecamp found himself trapped after accidentally passing through a dimensional rift in Chicago. Kneecamp and his co-host, Usador the Wizard, and Chunt the Shapeshifter record improvised interviews and discussions with various magical guests who pass through the eponymous Magic Tavern. Uh, yeah, after reading that, th this podcast was basically made for my brain. Just period. Uh, well, if you've listened to the podcast up until this point, I don't, and then listened to me read the description of that podcast, I think any sane, rational human being can do the math that the person who has spoken the prior words would like the post-podcast. You know what I'm saying there, too, as well, if you have done that math. What am I talking about? The last thing. Which is uh, zero punctuation. Uh, I felt I hadn't brought it back in a while. They're always good. You just can't go wrong with them. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. Uh, you can find them on... Uh, what is his site called? Zero punctuation. The starts with an E. The Escapist. Yeah. Uh, basically what it is, is a guy, Australian I do believe, living in... <laughs> That's like bad, bad English. Or... Australian-ish, uh, who reviews video games. He seemingly hates all video games, so the sort of opposite of my review style of liking everything, uh, but does it in a very comical manner. Uh, this one in particular I was interested in because he spoke of two games, Overwatch and Battleborn, which uh, just sort of kind of recently came out. Uh, they're uh, uh, online shoot 'em up games. Yeah. 
I don't know how else to describe it. I will say that uh, this sort of style of gameplay, like your Call of Duties, although it's not exactly that, uh, online shooter games, usually for me have zero sort of interest. Like I usually have no desire to play online in general, uh, let alone a game where, like Call of Duty, where even though I'm pretty good at first-person shooters, I get online and die a million times because the thing about Call of Duty in particular is people who play Call of Duty quite often, that's the only game they play, so they're fucking really good at it. Whereas if you listen to this podcast, you will know I play a shit ton of different style games, so I don't devote enough time to get good at one game in particular, so they killed the fucking shit out of me, which is not necessarily fun. Uh, anyways, why am I saying this? I don't know, fucking know where you listen to it. Uh, Overwatch, sort of, it looks so interesting. I've seen people playing online. It looks, it's very enticing, even for me after just saying what I said. Uh, so enticing that potentially, if I ever see it on sale, uh, maybe I'll pick it up and we'll talk about it in a game, Gavin, one day. We'll see. We'll see. It, it, it just it really looks like it might be fun. Like, I even went online and looked at all the different characters and who I would play, and I think a Junkrat sounds like it might be suited to my playstyle. Uh, other than that, I would like to play the sort of Eskimo girl because I'm Canadian and I like cold things. And I've seen a lot of uh, pictures, uh, artist pictures of her where she's got giant boobs, which is hilarious. Huh? Hilarious. What else is not hilarious, or is, is that... Oh boy. It is nice to be nice to the nice. The end. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper